Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the benefits of trials and tribulations. Like that oak tree at the cliff, the more violent the wind and the rain, the deeper its roots go into the mountain and become stronger. That's what the difficulties and tragedies of life do to you and me. If we obey, our roots go deeper and make us stronger. And when the sun comes out, we're standing tall and the leaves come forth. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Traffic laws and regulations aren't enforced to make it more difficult for us to drive. No, they're in place to help us get to our destination efficiently and safely. Well, Pastor Xavier says the Word of God plays a similar role in the life of the believer, to navigate the best possible course for living. So let's join him for today's important lesson from our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. I've entitled the message, No Substitute for Obedience. Moses tells the children of Israel five things that the Word of God would do for them if they obeyed. There is the key. There is no substitute for obedience in the Word of God. Disobedience brings destruction, and obedience brings great benefit. There are five things. First, in verse 1, the Word of God would allow them to live. Real simple. Notice first the people being instructed were the nation of Israel. They were a murmuring people, Deuteronomy 1.27. They were a stiff-necked people, Deuteronomy 9.6. They were a rebellious people, Deuteronomy 9.7. And they did not have a heart to obey God, Deuteronomy 5.29. You say, well, why in the world would God call a people like that to obey because they're just like you and I, that's why. <laughs> and God takes people who are sinners and sinful and rebellious, and then he asks them to obey as he delivers them and gives them the ability and capacity to obey. Notice, secondly, the proclamation was to listen to the statutes and judgments, not just to hear them. There's a distinction between hearing and listening. The person who hears is one who comes to know what is right and wrong, but doesn't necessarily obey what is right. He just hears. The person who listens is the one who hears and obeys. And he makes the right decision for the instruction to be beneficial. You see, hearing is instruction, information. The process is understanding. Understanding the consequences of disobeying. Understanding the benefits of obeying. And the decision to obey is called wisdom. And then through time we get the benefit and the fruit of that decision. Notice the second benefit in verse 2. The word of God would be self-sufficient. Notice they were not to add to the word and trust it to them. The addition of any human words pollutes the purity of God's word. Please understand that. The addition of any human words pollutes the purity of God's word. Secondly, the addition of any human words confuses the clear counsel of God's word. Now you've got to decide which is which. And the addition of human words Compete with God's word. Always. Leave it alone. You have God's pure word. Leave it alone. Don't mess with it. Don't add to it. But then secondly, notice they were not to take away from God's word and trust it to them. The subtracting from God's word presumes on correcting God's word. Well, let's help God out. He made a mistake here. 
Surely he couldn't mean this because it's just too hard. We can't do this. So let's put it out. Oh, really? If he tells you to obey, then he gives the ability to obey. Otherwise, God would be unjust and unfair. The subtracting from God's word violates the full counsel of God's word. It's no longer the full counsel. We have censored it. But notice thirdly, they were not to add or take away from God's word in order that they keep the commandments of the Lord their God. To keep them. If you have them, then you're responsible. And if you have them, and if you read them, and if you meditate upon them, if you're instructed, then you're more likely to keep them. The word instructed them. The word exhorted them. The word admonished them. The word warned them. The word judged them. It's important to have the word of God around, to hear it. It does all those things for me. But notice the third benefit is found in verses 3 and 4. The word of God would mean what it said. Now somehow, there are always those who think they are the exception. And you may be sitting here and say, well, you know, I've done things and nothing's happened to me. Well, be patient. <laughs> be patient. Your life's not over yet. God's not biting his nails. He says, your eyes have seen the Lord, what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord uh, your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. What in the world is he talking about? They had witnessed the personal judgment that fell upon those who were ensnared by the counsel of Balaam to Balak, the king of Moab. In Numbers 25. Remember the prophet Balaam knew he could not curse the children of Israel. He was sought out. And he came because of his love for money. So after three attempts, he counseled the king, Balak, and said, listen, I can't do nothing. But if you send your young, beautiful young ladies down into the camp to entice the young men on your manners of worship of your gods, God will destroy them. You won't have to worry about it. And so, in chapter 31, verse 16, that was his counsel to Balak. And so the Moabitish women caused the young men and the older men to commit harlotry in the groves in, Matthew, in Numbers 25, 1 through 2. They invited them first to their sacrifice of their gods. Notice it began with a very simple, uh, very non-threatening invitation. Well, be careful of the invitations you take. They may seem very neutral at first. Then they were eating and bowing down to their gods. And then they were involved in their sexual rights. You see, the way they worshiped their gods was the gods of fertility. And so the Lord's anger rose up in his face, and the Lord commanded Moses to hang the leaders who were involved and guilty of this atrocity in Numbers 25, 4 through 5. And then 24,000 people fell by the plague in Numbers 25, 9. You see, the word of God means what it says. Are you flirting with sin? Are you out there and you messing with things you shouldn't have? You think you're in control. You think you'll get away with it. Be careful. Don't take God's mercy and grace for doctrine, for permissiveness, for tolerance. 
for unconcern. In contrast to these, in verse 4, he says, But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Those who were present alive were present alive due to the fact they held fast to the Lord. Now, back in the temptation, when they saw these beautiful girls and the enticement, that seemed to be the most profitable. Oh, yeah, right now. Now, after the fact, 40 years later, when they're standing at the promised land, now they see the decision that these made was the best decision. Do you make your decision based on the here and now, immediate? Or do you make your decisions based on looking down the road far enough beyond the block to see what's going to happen to you? I hope you look as far as you can before you make a decision. Because once you make the decision, it's made. Whether it be who you date, who you marry, whether it be giving yourself away sexually, a business decision you make, anything you make, once it's made, it's made. And there's no taking it back. Two distinct people, those who chose to disobey, those who chose to obey. The Word of God means what it says. Never forget that. One day Uzziah the king presumed upon the priesthood and he thought that he could offer incense. So he went into the priest, into the temple to offer incense. And the priest tried to stop him. Don't, don't do that. You're not, you know, no king can offer incense. Yeah, get out. He offered it, and God plagued him with leprosy. You see, it was simple obedience. He presumed upon what he had no business being involved with. Often Christians presume upon their liberty, and they get in trouble. Tragic trouble. If you and I, or you and I have and will witness God's chastening and even his judgment upon people who refuse to obey God's word, I can think of countless of people through the past 22 years. We all started the same way. We're all just kids. And God saved us. And I can remember person after person who disobeyed how their lives have turned out. So tragic today, 22 years later. Some have lost their mates. Some have lost their children. Some have lost their health. You and I have and will see those who have held fast to the Lord despite the difficulties and the hardships as they have reaped to obedience. They've gone through some difficult times, but they've been obedient to the Lord. And after the time, you've seen them reap the reward and the benefits. Some have had their marriages restored. When everybody else would tell them, ah, get out of the marriage, they were seeking the Lord, and the Lord was saying, you stay. And now they see the benefit because their mate was saved, and they have the most glorious marriage now. But they're like that oak tree at the cliff, and the storms come and they beat it and then they, the winds hit it and rains and everything else. And yet, the more violent the wind and the rain, the deeper its roots go into the mountain and become stronger. That's what the difficulties and tragedies of life do to you and me if we obey. Our roots go deeper and make us stronger. 
And when the sun comes out, we're standing tall and the leaves come forth. The word of God means what it says. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you trust God and obey him and not experience it on the negative side through your life, through disobedience. It's tragic. The fourth benefit is found in verse 5. The word of God will transform them. Surely I have taught you these statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Notice first the mode of communication is teaching. Very simple. Moses taught them statutes and judgments. Many of your problems and mine will be directly related to our lack of reading, studying, praying, and being involved in the church. I have found through the years that the people that come to me for real problems and counseling, the majority of the time, it's because they don't read consistently or study the Word of God. They don't sit in the church to be taught consistently. They don't pray, and they're not involved in the church. You've got to get in the Word. You've got to pray. You've got to fellowship. Secondly, the aim and goal was that they should act according to the instruction. Their obedience was in recognition of God's person, their creator. So you respond to God's Word because He's the creator. He created you. Now, when you buy a product from the store, they give you a manufacturer's guarantee. And they tell you how to treat the product, how to take care of it, how to maintain it, right? And now, if you follow those, they guarantee the product, right? But if you take it home and start abusing it, don't follow the, the instructions, they're not going to stand behind their product. Now, we mess up our lives. We don't live it according to the manual. And then we want to sue God for it. Hold him responsible for it. Well, that's kind of a ripoff, isn't it? Their obedience was an acknowledgement of God as their deliverer. They had just been delivered from Egypt. He was the one responsible for their presence there. And their obedience was an understanding that he was all-knowing. And that's the biggest thing. You and I know that God knows all things. He can't make mistakes. Now, doesn't it make sense to listen to somebody who knows everything? Do you understand you have a God that knows all things? And rather than asking, we're going, well, what should I do? Well, I'll do this. I'll do that. No, no, I'll do that. No, what will I do? No. Go to him. Go to the word. But notice thirdly, the locality was to be in the land they would possess. Their nation would be the recipient of the blessing. Individually, you receive a blessing in obedience. But do you understand collectively as a church what we receive as a, in obedience? Do you know how God uses this church if we obey? If we respond to God's word as we listen and we're taught? Do you know how much he will use us? Do you know the open doors he will open? We have no idea. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. No idea. Is God done with us? Nope. How do you know? Because I know my God. Now, I don't know what he has for us, but I know he has a lot of things for us because I know him. And so we will continue to teach the word of God to receive the blessings. But also, their society standard would produce a healthy society. Through obedience, do you understand the benefit of a healthy society? How much more in the church? You know there's churches that are so polluted. They're no different in the world. And you got everything going on in the church. The word of God is, is taught, but it's not heated. But when you and I obey the word of God, 
there is such a benefit to our with the community of God's redeemed, the church. There's a protection. Your children, you, myself, are fellowship with one another. Those that enter in to pollute it. There's a resiliency. There's a resistance because we stand for something. There's a great benefit. Their unity would be their strength. As we are bound together in oneness, then their strength as God wants to do what he wants to do. When you have people that are divided, then you can't get nothing done. That's the problem with our nation. We're so fractured and divided that nothing can be done. That's Satan's tool all the time. Confusion and separation. Their identity would be distinct from the nations around them. We're different from people. We're Christians. It should be noticed. John Newton, who lived the life of a slave and was delivered into a life of the lowest, was laid hold by a missionary. And he became a sea captain, a minister, a hymn writer. In the Church of London, which he pastored, there still remains an epitaph which John Newton himself wrote. Listen to it. Sacred to the memory of John Newton, once a libertine and blasphemer, a slave of slaves in Africa, but renewed, purified, pardoned, and appointed to preach that gospel which he had labored to destroy. You see, the word of God will transform them. The word of God will transform you and myself. The minute I am born again, I'm a new person. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I don't think the same way. I don't see the world the same way. I know the difference between right and wrong. Absolutely. I have the potential to make the right choices now. I am willing to do the will of God. None of this happened before. I have been transformed and I am continually being transformed from day to day. The transformation takes place in the most practical way. It doesn't happen, poof, like some magical thing. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beg you by the mercy of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Notice how practical it is. First of all, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Secondly, you recognize that the, reasoning, that the reason you do that is the most clearest faculty of worship in, because of what he's done for you. It's a reasonable service. And thirdly, no longer do I fashion my mind according to the fashion and ways of the world, but I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. It's real practical. I present my mind, body, and soul to God. Didn't we present all that to the world? We didn't even think about giving our whole self up to someone. And we could never trust him. We never knew what was going to happen tomorrow. How much more to God? And so the word of God will transform you and I if we allow it, if we stay under it, if we obey it. Fifth and last, the word of God would make them examples. Verses 6 through 8. Notice first, first portion of verse 6, their lives would be looked upon by others as wisdom. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes. It would be through careful observation of the laws. It would be their wisdom and understanding to observe all in the sight of the people of the land. Their lives would be wisdom to others. As people look upon your life, do they look at you and say, wisdom or foolish? Now, I understand as Christians, the decisions we make, people who don't know the Lord will say, ah, oh, they're, they're dummies. But as other Christians look upon your life, 
Do they look upon your life and say, that's wisdom? Or is that foolish? Notice, secondly, their lives would expose the people of the land to their statutes. See, there's a whole purpose behind it. We're examples to them. They would see their lack of crime. As they hear the statute, they take notice. People notice we're Christians, right? We have certain, certain principles. We believe certain things. People are aware of it. They look upon us. They listen to us. They would see their lack of crime. They would see their lack of disorder. They would see their lack of immorality. They would see their lack of disease. And even the world looks upon that and says, man, they may not admire it, but they, they notice it. Absolutely. Thirdly, their lives would be responded to. The latter portion of verse 6 and 8. Notice first, the nation would say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people by the outcome of their life. Secondly, nations would say, for what great nation is there that has God so near to it that they can call on him at any time? And thirdly, in verse 8, nations would say, and what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law? Didn't Jesus say we're light and salt? People take notice. When you have the light turned on, all the creepy crawlers, turn over a rock, now it's raining. Go out there and pick a rock today. Turn it over and watch those creepy crawlers scatter. The light. That's what the Church of Jesus Christ does to a community. In 1946, a young man who was um, named by Gadwaski, along with some others, roamed the German countryside and they came to an isolated uh, farmyard and they killed 10 members of a family except one survived. He went to jail and 20 years afterwards, the sentence was uh, fulfilled. They were going to release him, but they wouldn't release him because he had no place to reside. The surviving member of the family heard about his release and that he had nowhere to reside. And he asked that if the authorities would turn him over to him, his custody. This is what he wrote in his request. Listen, Christ died for my sins and forgave me. Should I not forgive this man? Christianity is not a game. Christianity is a way of life. The Word of God will transform you, and the Word of God will make you an example to those around you. Your life and mine are a spectacle to the world, and even if they mock at it, they are exposed to the wisdom of God in our life, how we raise our children, how they turn out, how we treat our husbands and wives, how we make decisions, and what happens out of those decisions, how we can have peace in the miserable situations, how we know that our sins are forgiven absolutely, and we live in peace, how we know that if we die right now, we're instantly present with the Lord. We're examples to them. Your standard is a light to the non-believer, much like a lighthouse for the ships when the storms come that they not be destroyed. It is a constant reminder of God, your life. It is a constant reminder of absolute right and wrong. It is a constant reminder of true happiness. As people look on, what a responsibility you and I have. What a privilege we have to be examples. And so Moses told the children of Israel five things that would, the Word of God would do for them if they obeyed it. Real simple. And they're practical for us also. The Word of God would allow them to live. Are you living today or just existing? The Word of God would be self-sufficient. Do you trust the entire Word of God? Or do you draw from some other places also? The Word of God would mean what it says. Do you think you're the exception? that you can get away with something? The Word of God would transform them. Are you yielding to that transformation? 
the Word of God would make them examples. What kind of example are you being? Good or bad? Man, practical counsel, practical teaching that Moses gives to these people. Man, it's good for us. We need to open our heart to it. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about God's book, the Bible. And you can request a copy of today's important study called No Substitute for Obedience. It's available on CD for just $4. And this also contains what we heard the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is No Substitute for Obedience. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. We'll be sure and make plans to join us next time when Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the perils of a divided heart. That's right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 